Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name's Aaron and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy James. Hello there. And this week is no exception as we uh, dedicate episode 212 to Denzel Washington. What a career, what an actor, what a presence on the screen. At one point, maybe the top guy in Hollywood and you can't say that about a lot of people. I remember the late nights, the early 2000s, mate, it was Denzel time. There wasn't a biopic that he wasn't fucking attached to. He was the man. Yeah, I think he still is. I, I, think, do I think he's top. I think he's got to be one of the top. He takes himself, he's one of the most consistently hardworking actors in Hollywood, doesn't seem to like ever take a step. And has gone to that twilight era of his career now where he just wants to do films he wants to do. Mm. You, don't have to, you don't have to piss him out in no Marvel, mate. He does what he wants. Yeah, and he's definitely the kind of guy that gets bums in seats. He's like, he's a reliable tour de force in the acting community you know, and, and in the cinema world that just drags people into cinemas to see what he can craft, what he can hone, what he can bring to characters and stories. Uh, Denzel Washington is, is an absolute force. And the big question I suppose is why the hell did it take 212 episodes before we got to this one? But we're going to do the thing that we oh, do yeah. with all of these. Well, we've been busy doing Waterworld, James yeah, exactly, and, and yeah. Mad Max. And last week we did The Crow from 1994. Um, but I suppose there's two questions in, that we're going to try and answer in this podcast today. One, what is the best Denzel Washington movie? This and is two, the, after Van of Fire, what is it? <laughs> the problem when you answer this question is there's going to be, how many listeners have we got? Everyone's going to have a different opinion. If you top three it, they would be, of all the ones we have ever done, when we did Chris Hemsworth, it was pretty obvious what the top three were going to be. They weren't, they, they weren't that difficult, were they? Mm. But when it comes to Denzel, mate, and that filmography... I think it's purely down to just personal... It is, that's why like, my, my top three is just basically the films I like. It has to be, because the, all the performances are absolutely brilliant. It, 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 I think he is incredibly consistent um, and one of the most exciting and versatile and reliable, powerful performers out there. He's now... Um, so when you're an A-lister for so long, you become like Hollywood royalty. He would like Sandra Bullock, I would say. Sandra Bullock will never... She might disappear for a few years, but she'll always be A-lister. No matter what mm. she shows up in, that's where Denzel is. Do you? F I I think and I love Denzel like he was like best mates. Yeah, yeah, old Denz, mate. <laughs> I, he's probably, and this is maybe the highest accreditation you could ever give an actor. Is he's probably going to be? You know how a lot of people use Gene Hackman as the, as the bar. Yes, you've worked with Gene Hackman. You've been in the film with Gene Hackman. Everyone, you know, from Kevin Costner to Will Smith to, you know, whoever it is, Clint Eastwood will say the the bar is Gene Hackman. Mm. I think Denzel will be the bar eventually. Yeah. And I know he is, you know, um, he's already had a very successful career and, and multiple Oscars and, and wins and accreditations to him. But when you hear the stories of people that work with him from, you know, there's people like Tom Hanks saying like, work with Denzel Washington is the best acting school I've ever been to. Like, and when Tom Hanks says that and the people he's worked against, you're like, you pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> so but Hackman's always been that person. Whenever, yeah. whenever people talk about like, I've watched an interview with Kevin Costner recently where he was just talking about Hackman just being the guy, you know, the guy that everyone goes to. And, and it's weird because, you know, I think quite often we go to Pacino or De Niro or others and, and there, there's Hackman in the background all that time. Yeah, that's true. Never even thought of it like that because we're not in Hollywood. No, we're not, James. Su surprising the listeners. We are in this small little... <laughs> dark part of the internet which is our sorry you must eat podcast if you like the show subscribe because you'll get a new one each and every week and like i say each time we take on a different movie we take on a different topic so maybe things like marvel or sci-fi or horror christmas whatever it may be or sometimes we look at an actor or someone behind the camera and their career doing things like top threes or favorite performances yeah. highlights that kind of thing of course we're not going to be able to cover it all 
And we're not film historians, so we're not going to go into that much detail. It's like entertainment. Yeah, exactly. We, we tell you about the films we've seen and what we think of them. Exactly. <laughs> That's literally it. We, I think the best way to say it is we are movie fans for movie fans. Yeah. Now, before we get into the, the book, mate, oh, yeah. I've been watching some of that there, them films, because we haven't done new releases in a week or two. So I just thought I would bring some. I've been watching a lot of documentaries. I did mention one last week about Woodstock 99, which is brilliant. And the, what I would say is, as documentaries go, when you watch a documentary, there must be a reason for it. Like, there must be an appetite to know what's going on. Now, Washington 99 was more of a retelling of certain people's events. And it does this basic thing. It gets like the creator, the producer, and it, and it listens to the audience as well. But then it never actually settles on the side. And I find it, looking back on it, quite disheartening mm. because we don't live in a world. So 1999, we were in our teenage years or approaching the teenage years. Um, and the certain things is like, in this, a documentary made in 2021, they still blame the way the women acted for the sexual assaults that happened. I'm like, but I was a child in 1999. I wouldn't do that. Mm. I just think it's people like... You're trying to make a documentary to tell you the truth, and there's still people hiding behind lines. And the end comment by one of the producers was so heartbreaking, it, it basically upset me and Esther were watching it. I was just like, oh my God, who can think like that? Like, 30 years on. Disgusting. However, that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk but, about... Oh, just, just on that, though, Netflix kill it for documentaries. They do. And that is actually another one I wanted to bring up. Because I know they, their movies somewhat, you know, have not been as exciting as late. And, They've you know, not. And other streaming platforms seem to be really knocking out of the park with the big, big movies. But Netflix will always, they will always have true crime and documentaries. Yes. I watched that, um, that Most Hated Man on the Internet that's on the, That's on the list I want to see. Fucking hell, man. Like, that is... So do you know the story about it? Um, it's about the first person's revenge revenge porn website, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And just this douchebag of a bloke, Hunter, who creates the Is Anyone Up website and um, just the lives he ruined and the campaigns for people to like, but you know, but the FBI having to try and figure out that he's associated to a known hacker that had been getting the photos. And it's it's a really good mini series. That's why to create that law, didn't they? Because that's the one thing that everyone attributes to that is, is the law didn't catch up quick enough to the society we lived in. Mm. So a lot of the times people are like, I don't know if they've broken the law. Like cyberbullying. A lot of the time, a lot of people go, I don't know if they've actually broken the law. Mm. If that's up to you know you to fucking educate yourself. You're the law enforcers. And so whilst Woodstock 99, I enjoyed, but I found its conclusions was hit and miss. There was an absolute fucking car wreck of one I saw called Running with the Devil, The Wild World, World of John McAfee. So John McAfee, founder of those annoying antivirus pop-ups, oh, yeah, goes on the run, convinced the police are framing him for the murder of his neighbour, but the corruption police aren't the, the sorry but the corruption police force of belize aren't the only people after him also are cartels mysterious figures and the u.s government and they're all after him i don't understand the point of this documentary right john mcafee you spend a lot of time with him he, he does a lot of drugs bath salts drinks takes guns with him he's a gun nut one point runs for u.s president you see all of this i don't get a point it, it doesn't come up at the end do you know what vice is the website it's like it's terrible it doesn't tell you anything. It just like glorifies certain things. I think they did a lot of the footage and it shows there's no point to it. It's like they do these interviews. Oh, he was crazy. It was like, okay, so what's the story we're telling? Did he kill his neighbor? No, don't come up. They never even, <laughs> they never really ask him about it, but you see him like, he's so paranoid and it's really weird. The documentary tries to give credence to the idea that maybe he's not paranoid. Either he's extremely paranoid or maybe they really are after him but for an hour and a half. And I'm like, but, but you didn't pick a side. 
this is on Netflix as well. This is on Netflix. And this, I'll tell you what, this John McAfee, wow. Mm. Generational bending. What I mean by that is, do you remember when you first saw about the Tiger King? And you went, oh my God, this can't be real. And then you found out it was. John McAfee, mate, couldn't believe it was real. Turns out it was. So, so the antivirus bloke? Yes. See, I want to see the fictional story about him growing up against Norton antivirus. It's some kind of Titan, God-esque, Black well, Adam versus Superman. Well, you're probably in this, mate. They probably try to kill him. <laughs> Going to this documentary. It was weird. It was over the top. It was it was crazy. There's a scene where he's convinced someone's coming after him. So he pulls up in the port, I believe it's Columbia, and he's, he's basically been at sea for months, mm. surrounded by the documentary makers and a security team. And he's gone, his boat's full of guns. Full of guns, and he they they come into port, and he sticks his head out, and they go, "Oh, sorry, mate, could you take your gun? We can see you've got a gun holster. Can you? We don't want you to come out here and start shooting us. So could you put the gun down?" He he convinces himself that they're about to kill him, so they fucking pull out, spend another few months at sea. Wow, fucking crazy. Um, the wild world of John McAfee was a pointless documentary, but a good watch if that makes yeah. sense. So car crash telly sometimes. Car, is. It, what, do you want? You've hit the nail on the head. It was car crash tally. Don't expect to learn anything from this, but you will definitely be entertained. Yeah. I've this Basically like every John Travolta movie after 2010. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. 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 <laughs> every John Travolta performance, yeah, that's, that's a good show. Post-Broken Arrow, <laughs> when he peaked. <laughs> so Christian Slayer, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> Broken Arrow, what a pull. <laughs> I don't know why we haven't done that movie yet. Talking about our love now for the 90s all of a sudden. <laughs> 80s are gone, mate. Now we're in the 90s. Um, yeah. So, and obviously I've watched some new releases this week. Mm. This isn't a new release, but I'll go back to this because you've watched this so very quickly. I finally got around to watching Tomb Raider, the Alicia Vikander one. You've never seen it? i never seen it. I never, I didn't care about the games. And good timing because she's just been recast, hasn't she? Or the, or the studio's lost yep. the, uh, the license, the so license. we're not going to get the sequel. I, do you know what? I thought Tomb Raider was a really good film until they started getting into the plot. Yeah. Like like when she gets a bag stolen when she's trying to get on the endurance. I was like, oh, that's cool. I like that. What I don't understand is why it's based on three different games. It becomes confusing. As someone who's played the games, I got genuinely confused. I was like, I don't understand what's the point of it. Still better than the Angelina Jolie ones, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And it's probably the best Uncharted we're gonna get, because I'm, I'm still not gonna watch the I'm not gonna watch the Tom Holland one. It was but, it was a great sequel to Indiana Jones, to be fair. Yeah. The, the fourth one it was. Walton Goggins in it. Walton Goggins is in it. Yeah, because I haven't seen it since it came out of cinema and I watched it at the cinema. Who played a dad in it? You Dominic West, mate. Dominic West, yes, that Dominic was it. West. Yeah, because I remember the tomb scene at the end. Obviously, yeah, yeah, tomb. But um, <laughs> yeah, I just remember. Do you know what? I just remember the rusty plane scene. Big kid, fuck it, I'll get a tetanus shot after that. Yes, but that was cool. I like that. But yeah. but, but it's uh, what I love is the biggest villain. In it is convenience. It's like she gets washed up and she just happens to be caught by Walton Goggins, despite the fact that Alan's fucking massive. And she could have. Oh, it just turns out that Walton Goggins is the villain. Oh, that's that's convenient, mate, isn't it? You've seen Indiana Jones four, right? <laughs> yeah, I've tried to purge it. <laughs> That that film may as well just be convenience. Oh, convenience, that's there unattended. Oh, convenience, there's a fridge. Oh, convenience, them ants turned up. Oh, convenience, aliens. You won't think you're talking about the same movie. What's really weird is, I'm fairly certain I've made one of those aliens. All of that's unforgivable. But when you're watching that film, there's a scene where Harrison Ford is, is staring at a hollowed out alien school with tinfoil in it. Mm. And he gets outacted by it. <laughs> And he's just sat there. And then they do this scene where they both prolonged, like, you look at the alien head, then you cut to Harrison Ford. And then you, as long as you go, well, how is the inanimate school winning? Well, I don't <laughs> because get it. Because it does win. <laughs> what I don't get as well is like, 
<laughs> and then he knows where they're going because he goes, how do you know this, Cindy? He's like, because he told me. He's like, fuck off. <laughs> the amount of famous people in that movie and the amount of people working on that movie, there must be hundreds of people and no one thought to go to like, the team like, go, no. Do you know, do you know this... Do you know this whole like sword fight on the top of the jeeps while we're swinging on the vines? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, monkeys and and, and that. Yeah, yeah. Well, no one went, I think we've stirred away from the fucking original. You know, I think we've veered off somewhere, probably back at the fridge (laughs) and the nuclear bomb. So I remember one of the best like defences I heard was like, if you actually look at the storyline of Indiana Jones, they're all ridiculous. I was like, yeah, the Nazis find the Covenant of the Ark and they open it and then they all die. There's randomly a CGI go for the beginning. I, which one doesn't fit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they're in Nuketown. Yeah, exactly. Like an F in Call of Duty. And, and I get it. I get the. I get that the time links up with, like you know, the Asian, the, yeah, yeah. The, the alien paranoia and everything like that. But leave that to fucking you know other movies. You don't have to inject it into uh, into Indiana Jones. But I, I think we've got an Indiana Jones four. Play by play coming up soon because <sighs> fucking hell, there's so much to di- dissect in that. Yeah, especially with the Highlander two, which if we haven't done by next year for my birthday. Episode. Yeah, Highlander two. Oh, um, so uh, so yeah. What do you think? I don't. I to be honest, as soon as I get on the island, it's an act of convenience. It it drops the ball. It just it's okay. It's average. It's, it's, it's not right. the worst thing. I like the, I like the London stuff at the beginning. I really like the a, bike chase. Yeah, the hot the fox hunt. That's cool. I I did. I, I was like. That looks like fun. If I was young and fit, I would probably still not do that. <laughs> it, but it's a, it's a different Laura Croft. But it was a different Laura like Croft as well. Um, so so far we're we're kind of averaging TV series. I know you've not watched the Orville, but I've recently got a chance to have Disney Plus. So, mate, the Orville seasons. What a great TV series! If if you if you're a fan of Star Trek, you'd love it the right amount of comedy, the right amount of storyline. Seth MacFarlane being a fan injects just the right amount of Seth MacFarlane weirdness to the storylines for them to work. There's a heartbreaking episode where one of them goes back in time, ends up creating a family. And when was the last time you watched a TV and you got really angry? Uh, A show? Yeah. You know, so what happens is, spoilers, fuck it. (laughs) A character gets lost in time, they go back, but they go back and something happens to the machine, they don't go back when they're supposed to. They get back somewhere like two years late. So this character's had to spend two years in back in time on their own. And they've created a life and they've found a wife and they've gone against all the rules. So then there's this argument of like the captain of the ship wants to go, wants to remove him and take him back to the future. Like, but he's created a wife, he's got a family. And there's a really good dynamic. And then the choices they make, I was genuinely angry at this TV. I was, I was, I was like, that's mm. not what you do. And I was like, oh, I was fucking fuming. And it felt good to be that invested in the storyline again. Oh, so that was a good anger. It was, it I was, really mean anger, like disappointment, like when no, I was, was season two of Punisher and they got a jigsaw so fucking wrong. Yeah. Uh, no, it was more of an anger of, um, more of an anger of you're having a moral debate and you're angry that they went a different way. It was like, I didn't believe the characters would act like this, but you know what? It's a TV series at the end of the day. So ultimately my anger didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but no, that was really good. So it's really good to feel passionate about TV. I found out where Posey Park has been. Oh, yeah. She's been in Lost in Space, the TV series on Netflix. Oh, okay. Watched a few episodes of that. Not bad. You may have seen a theme here. I'm going space. Sci-fi. Yeah. And then um, locked up with Lower Decks, which is a Star Trek series on Amazon. It's animated. It's not about the people in the in the top of the I've crew. Heard about this. I haven't seen it. It's brilliant. It I think you would love it. It's, it's about basically the forgotten about officers. It's the... Good kind of humour. The art style is great, and it rips the piss out of all of that Star Trekness. It's actually a really good fun watch. The episodes are twenty five minutes long. You're gonna have a lot of fun. I do want to see it. And then I finished off right with She Hulk. No, still not saying that. <laughs> I did watch 
Samaritan. The um, the David Tennant movie. No, no, this oh, is bad Samaritan, isn't it? <laughs> This is Sylvester Stallone, mate. Oh, this one? Yeah, I saw the trailer for it. <laughs> well, I'm just going to say that the Samaritan, when you look at it on Amazon, it looks like it's called Samaritan 5 because there's like a red thing under it. And I thought it was number five. I was like, where the first four? <laughs> Granite City. Yep. <laughs> Basically Gotham. Um, a disaster area of crime and poverty, one crying out for a superhero. For 13-year-old Sam, Samaritan is that man. But he died years ago when he was fighting with his evil brother, Nemesis. So oh, okay. they were twin brothers. One of them was Samaritan, the good one. And the other one was Nemesis. And Nemesis wanted to burn the city down. Samaritan was like, no, don't do that. <laughs> Let's have a fight. Nemesis, mate, poured all his anger into one ring. No, fucking sledgehammer. <laughs> and that was his weapon. He went around sledging people. He wants to set fire to Granite City. This sounds awesome so far. Read, read Gotham. <laughs> and so Sam wants a hero. He yearns for one, but the Samaritan and Nemesis killed each other in his fire several years ago. Could his loner neighbour Joe, played by Sylvester Stallone, who's jacked to fuck, secretly be his idol? Well, he's a bin man, mate. A hench bin man. (laughs) And what you've got is... A hench 70-year-old bin man. Yeah, you get a storyline here, which is basically Rocky Balboa meet some sort of superhero film. So it's different. You've got the idealistic 13-year-old. He wants to see... Wants to see a hero stand up. In, are they missing to, a parent? To see, they are missing a parent. They so are missing they, a dad. Yeah, they're missing a fatherly figure. And the mother's a nurse, so she works ridiculously hard, but is never at home. Mm. I hate that trope, but it's, you know what I know of nurses is actually quite accurate. So bless them. Um, but you've got a thirteen-year-old left at home alone, idealistic, wants to believe. Joe, Joe, mate, he, he searches through the trash, looking at old clocks, and he's like, I could fix that, I could sell that, and he does that. So we've got a little side business where he roots just before they throw the bin. In the back of the dumpster, mate. I've always wondered about, about uh, refuge uh, workers. Is yeah. How bad does something have to be broken or at what point are you allowed to take it? So the director of this is also the director of Overlord. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you know that the, you... The 1945 horror... Yes. So, and it, it shows up pretty much straight away that this is going to be that type of thing. And it's cast as the villain, who is basically... So you've got 13-year-old Sam, you've got Pilo Aspec, who is also in Game of Thrones and Overlord. Yeah. He's in it, and he plays like a grown-up man who is inspired by Nemesis. <laughs> so Nemesis... He's just an evil bloke He's well. just an evil bloke. Yeah. Like he, I'd like to point out that, that that actor will never be the good guy. No. <laughs> He'll never be the lead in a rom-com. <laughs> he will be the villain in a film about genocide. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what you've got is, I don't want to get into spoilers here, but i tell you what, was it the most amazing film in the world? No, I love Sylvester Stallone. I think he's a very underrated actor. He does a lot of good. I think he understands how the film business works. We've been crying out. You, I don't want prequels. I don't want sequels. Uh, sorry, I don't want prequels. I don't want remakes. I want to take aging actors, aging characters, and see from them now. Mm. You've always said this, and then you've got Logan, Logan, and you want like Murtoch or Riggs, or you want something like that. This is kind of that. We, It's like an aging... Batman or, or, or Superman, if you're someone who's got these powers but doesn't necessarily withdrawn from the world. How do they interact with it? I fucking love this film a lot more than I should have done. Don't get me wrong, it's not a brilliant film, it's not great, a lot of plot holes, not amazing. But Sylvester Stallone works in the aging superhero figure and the storyline had no right to do what it did. And there's a spoiler which I'm not going to go into, but it tricked me. I was like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Like, legitimately, wasn't even thinking about it in my mind. And it's not even that hidden. But when they do it, they pulled it off, and it worked. It wasn't for cheap laughs. It was good. I'm, I'm guessing that the character is that, that you're following is is not the good one. It was the villain. 
Maybe. Well, I'm not going to tell you that. Because if Sylvester Stallone is playing both of these roles, so that's, of course, going to be the twist. Maybe. I'm not telling you that. <laughs> is it, I'm is not it, a spoiler. Is it an 18? Is it, is it a... No. No, so it's a kid's movie. It's, it's kind of kiddish, but 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 the end, when the, when the sledgehammer comes out and the sledgehammer is treated like, I don't know, like fucking kryptonite. <laughs> like super-powered kryptonite. It's, just, it's brilliant. Watching Sylvester Stallone fight all these people and then there's some people in costumes and there's some person with a sledgehammer. It was, you know what? It was exactly what I needed on like a fucking Saturday night. Definitely going to watch it. Definitely going to watch it. Uh, but uh, don't get me wrong, it's not great. I only saw the trailer the other day and it was literally, uh, like the trailer was like Swiss Slope looking like it was starring in Rocky 20. Yeah. And then he gets hit by a car and this kid runs out and I was like, what the hell is this? And then I was like, oh, okay, that looks interesting. Because Stallone is the guy you know, he's still got the muscle, he's still got the frame, but he's also beaten, he's bruised, he's, yeah. his face has got a, you know, he's, it's got a quality. Yeah. And he fits into that type really well of the, uh, you, you know, like when Will Smith tried doing it with Hancock of this, like, yes, it's a superhero that no one really knows. He's very close to like, you know, Superman or whatever, you know, but he's got to make it like own. alcohol yeah. and stuff like that and, and addiction. Yeah. Can, I, can I just say as well, like Granite City, he's like, you and my city builders are like, should we call it Lincoln? Should we call it London? Ah, fucking Granite City. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> That'll do. Granite City. Of course it's going to be crime ridden. <laughs> it's Granite City. I'll check that out. Yeah. Um, have you seen the first, uh, the teaser trailer for the Hellraiser reboot? Uh, I've not seen it. I'm trying to avoid it because if I hate it, I'll cry. Jamie Clayton. Uh, yeah, I think that's a great as, choice. As, yeah. uh, as Pinheads. She is she a trans actor. Uh, I don't know. It was in Sense Eight. I I did hear a rumor. This might be completely wrong, but I liked that casting because the Cenobites in the mythos of Hellraiser are ambiguous. If they're good or bad, or they're kind of genderless, they are explorers of sensation. And I love when the casting kind of reflects that. We're going Mysterious. to get a Hellraiser episode at some point, aren't we? We, we won't, because you hate it. <laughs> and you're going to try to talk me around into that they're actually pieces of art. I, I just think they're good. The first two. The first two. First two. Oh, the rest of them are shit, mate. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I, yeah. Well, to me, they're all shit. Do you but... want to watch the one that's got um, Superman in it? That's which, right. Which Henry Superman? Cavill is in the Hellworld one, which I believe is Hellraiser 9. On, There's good. a ninth Hellraiser? Yeah, I'm not joking. Hell no. See, there's 11. No, there isn't. There is, because nine is Hellworld. Then there's Hellworld Revelations, which was the one that they made in three days to keep the license. And then there's the one that they made not that long ago. Redemption. It's still Bradley in all of them. No, he quit after his last one is Hellworld. Hellworld. Oh, so even, he got to like 11 then. Even, even he wouldn't. No, nine. Even after, after they were so shit after that, he was like, no, nah, I'm done. <laughs> I'll see you some fucking later, mate. I did not know that. I didn't know. I thought there was, I thought there was like four or five, maybe. The four went to the big screen, and then after the fourth one, they were like, no, you belong in direct. I remember one about a hotel being built. It's the fourth one. Is that the fourth it's one? It's a business building. I think that's as far as I got. Yeah, don't blame me. It's a, that's also a shit one. Yeah. <laughs> and you wonder why I didn't like it. Um, that, was, so, that, was, that was a weird like, lot of talking there in the Dad's Washington episode. Yeah, 23 minutes in, we've covered everything, <laughs> so let's do Denzel. Um, yeah, Denzel, who I learned in an interview recently, uh, is, is Denzel, but uh, because his dad was Denzel as well, and he's actually Denzel Jr., uh, Denzel was the way to differentiate them around the house when they were being called. But it's now obviously his stage name, Denzel Hayes Washington Jr., Born December 28th, 1954 in Mount Vernon, New York. Uh, he's an actor of stage and screen. Middle of three children, son to a beautician and a minister. Wishing to pursue a career in journalism, he enrolled at the Fordham University, where he started acting in minor productions. After graduating, he moved to San Francisco to join the American Conservatory Theatre. 
um, or act. Ooh. I bet when they worked out that algorithm, they were like, fucking yes. Do you think it was by accident? And then, and then someone was like, do you know that like, Yeah, with theatre, yeah. it spells act. <gasps> yes. Um, this early work was uh, w- was noted as efficient, powerful, and present, leaving uh, lasting impressions on audience members. Following a series of theatre and TV roles, he made it to the big screen uh, in 1981 in Carbon Copy. Do you ever see that movie? No. <laughs> you don't make them movies anymore. It's about a wealthy, white, privileged um, businessman, like CEO kind of character, mm. who realises he has an illegitimate black son. Yeah, you don't make you don't make the movies anymore. Which is weird if you think about it, you. That was a sitcom back in the day. Now known for films such as uh, Malcolm X, The Pelican Brief, Crimson Tides, Courage Under Fire, Philadelphia, The Siege, The Bone Collector, The Hurricane, Remember the Titans, Man on Fire, Inside Man, American Gangster, The Equalizer, Fences, and Safe House. I can't believe I didn't put Deja Vu on there. Taking a Pelican One Two Three. There's so many movies. Unstoppable, James. Um, we're going to go through them all, but not, well, the be- the good ones. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're going to talk about the good ones. Um, couple of things. He's a fan, super fan of the TV show Monk. Nice. I knew Denzel was the man. <laughs> uh, Tony <clears throat> was in American Gangster at the request of uh, Denzel, which Denzel turned a hefty profit of 40 million for that role. <laughs> Just, ah, oh, fucking, I wouldn't even get out of bed for 400 million. <laughs> turned down uh, the role, uh, um, uh, the... Uh, Lead role in Seven, which went to Brad Pitt. Uh, he also turned down Kiss the Girls, went to Morgan Freeman. Was the original choice for Blade. Uh, Names Gene Hackman, Angelina Jolie, and Dakota Fanning as the best actors he's ever worked with. There's two Oscars. And their dream is to work with Pacino or De Niro. We're it's weird that it. he hasn't worked with either of them. Like, especially with De Niro, he'd say, and Pacino worked with 50 Cent for fuck's sake. He's like, I'll well, do both f- did. I was going to say, I'll do, I'll do two films with 50. Well, Denzel wants to do a film. Why are you going to fuck himself? <laughs> Why are you tell Denzel to go fuck himself? <laughs> no, because no one tells No, no one tells that. Um, Let's just, you know, obviously in this podcast, we can't go through them all and it's not... We won't be able to do them justice. We're going to be talking about the ones that we know. And then I guess another question, like a hypothetical extra question to add on here is, is should he have won an Oscar long before he actually won the Oscar? Well, I don't know because, I mean, he won his first Oscar pretty early in 1989 for Glory. If you're talking about leading actors. Yeah, leading actors is what I was talking about. In Glory, he won for Best Supporting. Now, I know you love Glory because it stars Matthew Broderick. I fucking love Matthew Broderick so much. I know. I, I want to hug him to death. It's also got Morgan Freeman in it. Um, I like Glory. Glory is one of the movies that I saw way too young to really appreciate what that film was about. Um, but certainly, if I look at uh, the filmography of Denzel, if I was to put him chronologically, even though not the first Denzel movie I saw in his filmography, it's the earliest one that comes to memory. Yeah, Glory. And um, you know, there are, of course, uh, multiple movies before that and TV shows, but Glory was a huge, huge movie. Carrie Ells is in that movie uh, as well. John Finn. And of course, it's got Bob Gunton in it because you need <laughs> you a need villainous Bob. white man. <laughs> um, but yeah, winning his uh, best supporting actor um, role for that movie, um, which is about the uh, US Civil War. Uh, and the voluntary company um, that Denzel Washington is attached to. When was the last time you saw it? Years and years ago, because of Matthew Broderick. I've, you won't watch I, it I, I won't watch it now. I love that you've got this hatred for Matthew Broderick. And, and well deserved. He's a murderer, right? <laughs> He'd never forget. <laughs> but that's not fair on these other people. It's a respect the art, not the artist, which is what we say about, you know, you might have a favorite band that's been, you know, their leading has done something horrific. Yeah. You know, you might like a film, but it's got Kevin Spacey in it. So you're like, oh, or it was funded by 
Coxilla in fucking Weinstein. Weinstein. But, you know, for Matthew Broderick, no, fuck you. <laughs> you infect everything because you're an arsehole. <laughs> so. I, I suppose the next big one um, for me was is, is Malcolm X coming in at 1992. I, do you know what? Such a massive role as well because Malcolm X was a civil rights leader that was up there with, you know, Martin Luther King. He's fucking... It's a big film to make. And Denzel Washington at this stage of his career wasn't the Denzel Washington we'd all come and love. But he gives a stellar performance. I remember watching that film and being kind of scared by his turn. You, you, the choices they make, because I'm not a big, I'm not a history buff of America. It doesn't excite me. Um, so I am more, you know, Tudors and that type of thing. I'm boring historian. But from what I understand, historically quite accurate. There's a lot of research went into it. And I remember watching that film and he starts off and he's quite, you know, average. And then he turns into this character and you're just like, what a turn. I think he turns a lot of heads. I think he was better than a lot, better than what a lot of people were expecting. Yeah. And, and obviously Spike Lee, uh, the start of a kind of long collaborative relationship. And it's an all-star cast. I mean, because if you're not drawn in for Denzel, you know, Angela Bassett or a podcast favourite and personal favourite, Delroy Lindo. Mm. Um, stealing scenes throughout the whole movie, but everyone and you know what? everyone was fucking a list on that, weren't they? Yeah, and but I guess it's the sort of film that you wouldn't you wouldn't bring your fucking B game to. It's like you bring your A game and you go home. And it's, it, it, do you know the the only off point thing is two and a half hour run. It's a fucking it. long one. And do you I want think, this first Blu Ray I bought, or you, one of the first Blu Rays I bought? You probably need, uh, you certainly do need that to tell the story. But um, yeah, uh, three and a half hours now to to to. Fulfill with Malcolm X. I'm, I'm not running back to it, but <laughs> a, a great, great movie. It's one of those films that you don't feel good watching. So why would you ever want to rewatch? <laughs> um, obviously, if you're in the, in the early '90s, you had to work with Julia Roberts. Well, it's kind of the law, and you had to do a law film. Exactly. Pelican Brief. Maybe let's go. Maybe do two. <laughs> so uh, Pelican Brief is alright. Unfortunately, I, so we talk about all the time. It's like, oh, it was on Channel 4. It was on BBC One the other time. Do you remember the Pelican Brief was on for about a year once when you were a child and then you never saw it again? <laughs> yeah. and, and also, it's one of the, I've never said it was, it's a bad movie. It's 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 a movie that's it's kind of like bread in the sense that like... <laughs> I love this. Go. <laughs> no, no, in the sense that it's stable. Yeah. You know, everyone's got it or yeah. had it. No one's yeah. excited really about it too much. Sometimes you are, but not really. Not really. But, <laughs> Pelican Brief is bread it, but it's, I'm never going to rush back to him and be like do you know what I'm really in the mood for Pelican just, Brief just, just a bit of bread but if someone comes to me and goes I haven't seen Pelican Brief be like, what do you mean yeah, you haven't yeah. seen Kelly? bloody hell watch it but um, yeah I, uh, I, I <laughs> maybe because it's in the shadow and you think oh a law drama Denzel Washington are you talking about Philadelphia? And you go, no, I'm talking about Pelican Brief. You go, I don't remember that one. Which is the one with Tom Hanks? Yeah, which, <laughs> yeah, which one's the one with the homophobic lawyer and Tom Hanks in it? Mm. Um, it's not Pelican Brief. It's not Pelican Brief. It's, it's Philadelphia. Which Philadelphia. is an outstanding movie. It possibly. So it's probably the best performance of Denton Washington, probably the best performance of Tom Hanks. They are so good. at That final scene where he respects him now. It was like before, when it, I mean, I'm doing a lot of this from memory. The moment you shake his hand, he's that homophobic. But towards the end, he even shakes his hand. It's like a big deal. Yeah. But yeah. then, but then it was taken on like a subject matter, like in the nineties, that people would stay the fuck away from. It's like you don't talk about AIDS, you don't talk about the gay community. What film? Oh, mate, this one fucking did not hold back. <laughs> and obviously, uh, Tom Hanks going through um, radical uh, metamorphosis in his body to to be able to pull off this character with conviction. Uh, and Creed and um, Denzel Washington apparently on set was an absolute joker in uh, oh, every that's... 
every desk, every drawer filling with like Snickers and chocolate bars because he was on this absolute zero calorie diet. And um, and then uh, and I don't know if it's joke or cock. Yeah, but they were asking about it. Was it bullying or was it mean? And then Denzel went, "Well, I think Tom was laughing right the way up to the podium when he got his Oscar." Um, so, so, so yeah, I, Philadelphia again. Maybe not going to rush back to it, but uh, just such a great movie and and. Just it don't, it's one of the movies where it doesn't matter like what age you are when you watch that film as well. It hits, it hits hard. Mm. It, it's a there's something about night, mid nineties, early nineties movies as well with the kind with those uh, kind of key, you know, whether they be political or socio political kind of conversation in them. That the nineties for some reason just slapped, and you're like, "Four, that it." Philadelphia's that one. It is that one. Uh, Crimson Tide. I'm going to say this. This is probably my most watched one because when I was a young ute on the DVD, mate, I couldn't stop watching this film. Gene Hackman. God, and I was just remembering Trigger that. Happy Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. And they're not even that. You've got Viggo Mortensen's in it. Yeah. You've got fucking James Gandolfini in it, mate. You've got so many fucking actors and great. Do you know what? This film's amazing. And you could tell this was Bruckheimer, mate, because it had that, <laughs> that bloke that had a place, the president of the general, just that voice. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end, the court martial and... Gene Hackman has basically had this war with, um, so, sorry, quick, quick. they're on a ship, they lose communications. Literally, before they lost the communications, they were to launch missiles. He, uh, Gene Hackman's the captain. Denzel Washington is his new CO, second in charge. EXO, sorry, executive officer. And they basically have a massive debate about should they, they don't want, they don't want to kill people unnecessarily. He wants to confirm the orders because a lot could have changed in the four hours that they've lost communication. And it's a mutiny on a submarine and it's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's so good. It's even like how it's lit. You see that guy who sweats more than I do when we record his podcast just in front of it going, what the fuck's going on, man? Always, any submarine movie, you've got to have someone looking at a radar sweating. Yes. And uh, do you want, know I think I, on the top three, if we go for personal favorites, maybe not the best, I reckon Crimson Tide's up there. We've got my first one is in my top three. I love this film. This film is fucking sensational. And then basically you expect Gene Hackman to apologize because it turns out that, spoilers, Denzel Washington was right, but he don't apologise. He goes, I'm sorry, you, I was wrong and you were right. Those horses are from... And he's just like, oh, fuck you, Gene Hangman, in, in defiance. He's like, I'm retiring. You can all go suck my cock. <laughs> as, he, as he leaves the base with his fingers in the air, he doesn't give a shit with his dog pissing and shitting everywhere. Crimson Tide, yes. And what a year, though, in 93, where he's like... Uh, sorry, 95. Um, just finishing, you know, movies with... Um, Gene Hackman? Sorry, no, so he's, oh. just, he's just done with Tom Hanks, Julia Roberts. Now he's with Gene Hackman. Like, I mean, talk about talk about career taking off. And he's already won an Oscar by this point. His next film as well is one of those underrated films that I, that Virtuosio. Yeah. Basically, I don't know Virtuosity. why. Virtuosity. Um, it, it's, it's, it's the opposition. It's Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe plays basically all the serial killers in the world. <laughs> and Denzel Washington's got hunting down. That's a fucking great film as well. He's got, so far, four brilliant A-list films back-to-back. And that very rarely happens. William Fitcher and William Forsyth. Two Williams. Two Williams. They're, 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 on, they're on the list of, I know that guy, but I don't know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that guy in something. Yeah. But I do not know their names. Both in this film. Hmm. Possibly. You could be lying to me, right? It's just like Mark Smart, uh, John Smart, John, Mark Strong. <laughs> In any film. You're just like, is he in that film? Yeah, probably. I didn't see Devil in the Blue Dress. I also haven't seen Devil in the Blue the Dress. the movie that he took over seven. Reading, reading the- I've heard of one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Reading that Seven was uh, too dark, it was too bleak, it was too moody and upsetting. I think reading the quotes from him, I think he said that it, it freaked him out reading it, that it was that evil. He he turned, he called the script evil, um, only then to see the movie and say, Shit. oh, that is brilliant. Yeah, it literally, yeah. Uh, probably, probably should have done that movie because <laughs> people have seen it. But uh, yeah, I haven't seen Devil in the Blue Dress, but I have seen, Courage Under Fire. Everyone's saying Courage Under Fire. Which is uh, Meg Ryan. Um, it's a shame, isn't it? <laughs> well, well, you've got to remember, Meg Ryan was good at one point. Yeah, she was. And do you know what? She's not too bad in this, as, as memory serves. It's much later when she becomes a watch more. <laughs> but this is the thing, isn't it? It's, um, I, I listen to a very, very big, well-known movie podcast where their go-to is always, you know, when you poor casting and the, pit, the, the absolute top of that is Meg Ryan as a helicopter pilot. Yep. He's, he's like the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and Adam Sandler, I don't think he's human in most of his movies, let alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cushion of Fire is a great part. The problem is, that when are you going to see that? Well, weirdly that you say this. Oh, here we go. This enters into one of those, one of those military courtroom drama. Yes. Where I think, few good men, this. Ah, the General's Daughter is General's, a good for one. Or, or things like, it, you know, like... There was that movie in the 2000s with George Ford and Sam Jackson that, was it Bounce? Yeah, I do know. Which the retelling I, I, of, of, you know, what happened. And... I remember the poster. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and actually, I mean, I was more torn towards wanting to rewatch A Few Good Men than I was Courage Under Fire. But yeah, it's again, it's another film where I think people know the name of. Um, yeah, it's a good name, actually, Courage Under Fire. But yeah, she was she's like a paramedic, wasn't she? She was a, she was a non-combatant. That was flying in war torn area, and we're going too far into no, no, it's not that. No, it just, it just it's Meg Ryan again. Oh yes, oh yeah, it's Meg Ryan, Matt Damon though. <laughs> just fucking Meg Ryan. Uh, yeah, you see, you know, I remember liking that film. Again, I haven't seen it long enough. That's the problem because this is a film that you can't find it. It's not like it's on constantly, which is weird because I can watch fucking the Longest Yard on like three different streaming sites, but I can't watch Courage Under Fire. Did you? Or can you remember Bruce Willis mashup with Denzel Washington that was The Siege? And Annette Benning casting. I, I love The Siege. And The Siege is one of the films that when you watch it, when I watched it, which was before September 11, how shockingly accurate it was. Because it's got Tony Shalhoub in it. The best Shalhoub. <laughs> just hit the mic. It's just hit the mic. No, um, it was it basically, it, they're trying to do the right thing. And Ed Benning is like the shadowy CIA person and Bruce Willis is the person is the military general who doesn't want to come in and he's the F and Denzel's the FBI agent. And it was in a world before terrorism was like this big thing. Pre-9-11. Pre-9-11. Yeah. And then this things start happening. And I remember the scene where everyone in New York's terrified and a car backfires and everyone runs. And I remember thinking, obviously when events happened and then when I re-saw the scene several years later, I was like, fuck me, this film was weirdly, hit the nail on the head. It was shocking how good it was. And that's a, that's, a, that's a really horrible compliment to give it. It is horrible, but weirdly, it brings up questions like, is torture correct? Is it... And then this film came out in what? Um, two, 1998. So it came out in 1998. Armageddon territory. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, a few years later, we'd have Jack Bauer in 24. And the moral dilemma of, should we torture someone, was let out the window with, yes, 
it will make good television. <laughs> so it's always a good thing in the nice when you watch a show that asks a question because sooner or later it will get disproven on a massive scale. But they make a big deal about this. And I loved the season. I thought the season was fantastic. Again, around the time when Fallen had come out, Fallen's the film where there's a Loki, the demon, transfers by touch fire people. And at the beginning of the film, you find a serial killer and he's killed a lot of people. And Denzel Washington is the cop that's hunted him down. And he tries to jump to Denzel Washington because Denzel Washington is pure of heart. He can't get to him. So he basically spends the rest of the film destroying Denzel Washington's life. And it's a phenomenal film. It scares my mum. It's one of the scariest films she's ever seen. Well, there you go. That's got fucking John Goodman and Donald Sutherland in it. Film. Boosh. See, The Siege was one of those that I saw uh, because I obviously being a film fan as a teenager got... A, Thinking, I think the first time I watched it, I, I thought it because it had Bruce Willis in it and being a fan of Die Hard. And, and, He's always going to be a different know, film. I Completely. Yeah. And But then watching it as an adult, I, hit, <laughs> I think you hit the head. But it does have, it has that spectacular bus explosion scene yeah. that way ahead of its time in terms of CGI and graphics. I think that might have been one of the first films I saw the, the Innocents Die. You know, always yeah. providing the hero always saved them, not in this film. Tony Schliff plays his best friend. Yeah, and Lance because Reddick's in it. Because his son gets arrested when they start rounding up all the Middle Eastern people. Fucking hell. Fucking, the siege was awesome. We should do a, we should, we should go back. We should now. do a podcast <laughs> on films. Yeah, yeah, Lance Reddick, who gets another mention, another week on the bounce. Um, Let's continue. Let's push on through this with Bone Collector, which we did a whole episode on Bone Collector. Mm, very good film. Yeah. We, we, we said it all. Angelina Jolie is probably her best performance. Denzel Washington is great. Like the beginning of... The, the CSI, like forensic, forensic technology, crime scene. Yeah. The idea, he's paralysed, he can't move, and he's, he's boots on the ground, mate. Great film. Holds up well. You can tell who the killer is because it's the only guy you recognise who has nothing to do with the plot. <laughs> <laughs> when he shows up, though, you're like, well, he's a killer. <laughs> it is, it's perfectly placed at the end of the 90s as well of like, oh, let's do let's be done with the 90s now. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying the early 2000s were great. But, but we're sick of it. The Hurricane was a was a more awesome film. Boxing films translate to his big screen brilliantly. And he Denzel was good. got in incredible shape. I think trained for over a year to for, for the part. It was a it's a really horrible, heartbreaking story as well. Mm. Like, and do you know what's really weird? We're only mentioning one film, but it's like one film a year. That's what that's how they're coming out. They're coming out one film a year. So he's so steady in his work. He's not doing like you'll see a film with The Rock now, and three films will come out. And mm. then but there wasn't Denzel Washington's like ninety nine, here's one film. Two thousands, here's one film. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the pace back then was a bit slower as well to make them. Nowadays, like I say, there were so many films being made. And people... But also, Denzel's better than The Rock. Oh, easily. That's not so. even a question, is it? So we'll always make we'll always mention that. But um, the, the Oregon as well, a heartbreaking real story that was brought to life with love. Mm. And that was, that was a great story. And I, and I take it you're a fan of Remember the Times. I love Remember the Times. My only problem with Remember the Times is that the story is... <laughs> This is such a 2000s thing. So after forced integration in schools, so uh, African-American children went to school with Caucasian children. It was about, you know, the high school not wanting to accept black students. And it's about the football team. Mm. But it's told from the perspective of Will Patton, the white, the white, the white, the white coach who's been removed by Denzel Washington. And then it's like the white quarterback being replaced. And you just think, shouldn't the focus be on, you know, dealing with racism? No, it's about, it's about the white people. Very young Ryan Gosling in the movie. It is, and he plays a very good racist. <laughs> there you go. Well, this is back when he was in Murder by Numbers, where he was a murderer, James. Yeah. And Sandy B. I mean, he got together after that film, and I'll never forgive him for that, because it's his fault. <laughs> he knows what he did. 
Um, next one is a huge movie in the early 2000s. So whereas Nick Cage was robbing cars. That's right. Gone in six seconds. Again, another week on the bounce. Um, Denzel was in, uh, with Ethan Hawke, Training Day. A film that I was too young to watch when it came out. I wasn't old enough. But yeah. at the moment I got my hands on a, on a rented copy of that from Blockbuster. I, it, there was a such... There was such a gravitas around that performance. He was good, but I don't like the film. I do. I do. I really like it. There's something about, um, you know, cop dramas in some parts of like LA and some parts of America where you think, Christ, would you want to be working that beat, you know, and doing that job? I remember being completely unprepared for End of Watch and how brutal that film was with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. And just being like, Christ, that was graphic. And scary, and and you know, and and you think terrifying if you're those people that that do that for an actual living, you know, that pull true. over cars not knowing if someone's got a gun under the seat, and just think, you know, in some of the worst neighborhoods, and then Training Day comes in and rocks it. It's the old, you know, two cop rookie um, formula that we've seen in in you know all buddy cop movies, but in the early two thousands, spins this completely on its head. Um, and I remember just thinking that the character that Denzel Washington played in that like Alfonso, yeah was just scary and intimidating and real and a powerhouse performance from Denzel. I could never understand why this is the one that he won the Oscar for, though, over, like, the hurricane. The hurricane probably being the biggest one. I, I always found that just really weird. I didn't understand what was in this performance that wasn't, and I don't like film, but I don't like gangster gang films, is what I should say, in LA. Because I've seen the film because I've seen the TV series The Shield I'm like no you perfected it <laughs> you never need to set anything in LA again yeah um, I don't get it but then I know I'm in the minority on that and, and like I said his performance is very good Ethan Hawke's performance is very good the performances are good I just don't care that much about the storyline but then again it turns out that I'm wrong because it's universally loved it's seen as one of his best performances it's not for me on my top three it's in my top three yeah but it should you know what it's one of the films that's probably the most consistent in people's top three and weirdly not in mine at all mm. Just, and that said, he's very good in it. I just don't like the film. Yeah. It's great script. It's David uh, Ayer movie as well, isn't it? And he went on to do Suicide Squad and he wrote that script. The good Suicide Squad. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> just leave it there then. Yeah, Train Day makes mine. Uh, John Q. Do you know what? Great film. Weirdly... Underrated. No one talks about John Q. He can't afford it. Weirdly, more relevant now than ever. Couldn't afford health insurance. Yeah. <laughs> Kidnapped some doctors. <laughs> yeah. To save his kid's life. So this this, this falls in my um, grey matter of my brain where I can, I str- there are other movies with a similar, you know, taking a medical unit hostage or um, having to break rules to, in it, with, the, with the right reasons because mm. someone you care for needs an operation or needs a donor or whatever it is. But there are a few of these movies where I'm like, I can't remember the ins and outs. And This isn't related, but this is kind of related. <laughs> there's a film with John Travolta. I'm sorry, I've hit it again. There's a film with John Travolta who plays a, a security guard and he loses his job and he takes a load of kids hostages in a museum and Dustin Hoffman, it just happens to be there as a reporter. I don't know if I've fever dreamed this film. <laughs> I've not heard of him. Okay. Well, if you know what that is, get in touch. Well, it's not Michael, is it? Well, I don't want to... The bullet wearing angel movie. <laughs> no, it's true. It's not. It's not Phenomenon, but he also has a mullet and can do angel things. And it's, it's not... It's not... Uh, it's, it's, it's not, not Kramer versus Kramer. It's not Broken, it's not broken Arrow. Um, I don't want to Google it, though, because I feel like that's cheating. Yeah, no, it's got so. to come to you naturally. John Q does have a... Um, 
one one thing uh, against it. Um, mm-hmm. James Woods is in it. <sighs> Does he play the villain? Oh, he plays a doctor. He's a villain. Um, Anne Hayes in it as well. He tragically passed away recently. Yeah, that was that was horrible, wasn't it? And Robert Duvall, obviously. So a huge, huge cast in John Q. I remember John Q coming out in the trailer. The trailer played the moral question, didn't it? It was like, what would you do? You know, your son needs an operation. Probably go to a different, probably go to Canada. <laughs> just, you know, Mexico. Universal healthcare. Yeah. You know. You'd probably get that, yeah. Um, Antoine Fisher? I don't remember it. I've seen it. I don't remember it. Was it, was it I know he directed it. Was it, his, was it his director or debut? I don't know, but. I believe so. I do remember it. Yes, Antoine Fisher was his. Uh, I don't. Out of time. Don't remember that one either. No, I can remember Nick of Time, which was the film shot in real time with Johnny Depp. With Johnny Depp and Christopher Walken, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's trying to stop an assassination in an art gallery or something. And he's been uh, injected and he's got yes. uh, he's got poison in him, yeah. Now, I don't know if anyone's seen uh, in 2003 the movie Man on Fire. Nah, I should have fucking never heard of it, mate. What's that Creasy, about? mate. Creasy? Creasy. Nah, stupid name. I wouldn't even name a bear after it. <laughs> I said it at the top and I'm going to say it again now. This is the top Denzel yes, movie. Yes, it's, it's mine. It's number one. He made action cool at a time when we were getting kind of cartoonish, mate. No, he brought it from realism. He bought, and I know a lot of ghosts are directed with the thematic styles, but he made Creasy the man. Yeah, yeah. Just, we worked with both Scott brothers, so Tony Scott on this one, and of course we worked with Ridley Scott later on. But it is, it, I watched it the other week, a couple of months back, on a car, long car journey up to Newcastle on an iPad. Mm. And it, I was just like, Christ, I, I need to watch this movie once a year. Yes, it's, it's a good. That, I watched that. I watched Die Hard once a year. I need to watch Man on Fire once a year. It's such a great film. Mm. And do you want? Know I, I don't even mind Mickey Rourke in it. Sneeze yeah. and you miss, and you miss Mickey Rourke. Come on. Yeah, no, but but you know he's there. He's like, he is there. You know, he's like a smell. You can't ignore but, it. But but the line is, and this is how this is how great the film is. When you see certain lines written down, they look crap, and you just think. Wow, that looks bad. Like I'll always go Sin City. Written down, all the words from Sin City look awful. However, the line are, yeah, Christopher Walken. You have Christopher Walken say line something like, "He's a painter, let him paint," or something like that. He's just like mm. he's gonna he's gonna kill a lot of people. <laughs> and Denzel Washington's effortless. When you first meet him, and he's trying to kill himself, he's like Miss Fire. <laughs> it just everything about him, this layers, this performance, the fact that teaching a kid to swim, being released by the bullet, not confined by the bullet. He he grows to live life. You know he's he, turns around and then that's taken away from him so he's literally back in the mud again and then it's just like I'm going to do what I was brought on this earth to do which is basically kill a lot of people and it's fucking awesome it is brutal and it's paced really well because it's it's a two hour two and a half hour movie it doesn't feel it but you look I love the the the, the world building and relationship building that is allowed in the first half hour of this movie because you've got to get that there is a connection between him and the girl that he's protecting, you know, in this like, case, Dakota Johnson. And like when the uh, mum asked, when the mum asked him to go like that extra, she's like, just, just do it. And he's like, yeah, I will. It's like even the dad's to blame. Fuck me, there's so much great stuff about this film. And Denzel Washington is at the heart of it. Mm. What a great film. Number one, surprisingly. Yeah. And if you haven't seen it for a while, definitely go back and rewatch Man of Fire. It is well worth it. And it is, it's the right end of what is otherwise 90s action. I know it's 2003 or 2000, yeah, three. It's, um, you know, it's one of them, you know, scenes where the, the, the walk in a room, open the door and doves fly off. And it yeah. does that. It's not slow-mo. It's like um, shuttered scenes, you know, where you kind of, it, everything moves a bit disjointedly and it, it looks like a early 2000s pop video, music video, but it's all the right good. Um, <laughs> it's all the right. It's good. Yeah. The uh, Manchurian candidate. Liked it. Thought it was good. One of 
numerous uh, remakes that uh, he, he would uh, be involved in. Works for him though. It works, and also it's, it's a different. He's not the action hero like you've just seen him. He's kind of like the nerdy. It's Liv Schreiber comes into his own on this. I think when Liv Schreiber turned into a decent actor, it was this film. Yeah, and and you know having Mel Streep in it as, and Jeffrey Wright, and as she well, was so good as well. The old brainwashing yeah. side of it, and and Denzel looks great in a suit. We've seen him in the he suit does. in, in uh, Courage Under Fire, and obviously uh, uh, Inside Crimson uh, Tide. Crimson Tide. And, he looks good in the suit. He does. Military suit. You're, you're about to knock onto my outside candidate for my top three. Inside, Inside Man. Man. I love Inside Man. It's one of my, he's an underrated brilliance. And it's, I think it's one of Spike Lee's best films. And I, I know, you know, he's done some amazing films. But I love this film. I fell in love with him. The the charming quality of the detective being, trying to not be outsmired by, I can't remember who's the thief in it. It's the British actor. We don't really like him now. Here's what, here's what I'm going to say. This, this is the only, this is the bad taste in my mouth, James, is you've got, you've got him working with uh, Roberts and, and Hackman and all the, you know, and Hanks and then Clive Owen. That's it. It's Clive not Owen. the pull, is it? Jodie Foster's in the movie. Oh, as well. but, but I'd like to put, has got Plummer as well. Um, That's Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer. Willem Dafoe. It Willem Dafoe as well. And, uh, oh, do you know what? No, I. Jewel Ejiofor, isn't it? Ejiofor, you know it's a brilliant film. I'm going to stay it now. It's a brilliant film. Deals with a great, great thing. And Clive, this Clive Owen's best performance. I'd like it when you work with are you, Denzel, are you, mate. Are, are you are you saying it's better than Shoot 'em Up? Easily. Are you saying it's better than? Uh, Go on, Sin City. Yes. Is it better than King Arthur? Yes. Is it better than Children of Men? Oh, you bitch. <laughs> maybe not. That is a good film. That is maybe Clive Owen's best one. Is it better than Valerian? Yes. Do you know what? The other day I was going to rewatch that and then 20 seconds in I was like, oh. No. Beautiful looking. Beautiful looking. stunning. Great world building. Terrible. Gash story. Terrible, terrible characters. Yeah. Terrible. What's that guy's name? Um, The sex offender. Yeah. Yeah. What a sex pest in that movie. That's not romantic at all, is it? No. To keep asking until she says yes. Which works apparently at the end of the film. Anyway. Inside Man, great film, on the cusp of top three. Yeah. Really is a fantastic film. If you haven't seen it, you should go and watch it. I believe it's on uh, the Amazon right now. The scenes as well, because of how it's shot, the interslice scenes where him and the other detective are interviewing people, mm. they're fantastic. They're brilliant. Yes. Uh, so much win. Next coming up is uh, Deja Vu. I've got a feeling I've seen it. Oh, sometimes, mate. You oh, come it's out a cinema. Oh, it's a cinema. This movie. I haven't seen it. Uh, it's, uh, I've, I've never... seen half of it. I've seen it when it was on TV, but then... He goes back in time to stop a bomb, doesn't he? Uh, it, it, it's not that, okay. back in time. It's it, it's this surveillance technology they've got that enable them to reverse time. And yeah, it's a weird one. Right, okay. it's, a, it's, it's one of the, it's a stretch. And th- there are some Denzel movies that fall in this category. This unstoppable Pelham have taken one, two, three. Are they like, for me, are the kind of the, the big city 2000s Denzel movies that don't really work. Jim Caviezel's in this as well. Hot off the Passion of the Christ. Hot off, off being Jesus. Hot, hot, hot off the cross. <laughs> uh, uh, Jim Caviezel. It's a... Uh, I, I don't know. It, it didn't It didn't excite half, me. Half the bonds. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, do you know what? You've won. Let's, Val- let's call it that. That was fucking brilliant. Hot off the cross. <laughs> Val Kilmer was in it. <laughs> Oh. I don't know if I'm trying to sell it with that. Where's yeah. the other fan in? Ellie fan in in this one. You can't win them all. But yeah, I, I I did get to the cinema to watch it, and I wasn't um, I wasn't blown away by it. I, I remember the ending. It's all it's all the building to they know a, they know a bo- they, that's it. They know a ferry 
bomb is going to happen. But I just don't know. But they need to figure out. Yeah, but it's not Minority Report. You can't, you can't. Right. Do you know what I mean? So it happens. Yeah. Okay. Seems pointless. It is a bit pointless. (laughs) But again, like I say, we've, Unstoppable. That was the one with the. I know we're jumping ahead, but that's the train one, isn't it? Yeah, with Chris, Chris Pine. Pine. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I remember about that is, is it built up like it was going to be the biggest action film in the world, and I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and fuck you. Uh, we would get uh, this time Ridley Scott. Ah, oh, this directed, is returning, reuniting Russell Crowe and uh, and Denzel Washington together to tell the real life story of is he Frank Lewis Frank Lucas? Lucas? Yeah, is you are you forget about how big this cast list was as well, even fucking pre Cats arsehole. James Corden, Idris Elba, Idris Elba, yeah, Idris Elba shows up. It's associated. He's like, go, go buy me a drink, Frank. Oh my god, yeah. the lines. Do you know what? Josh Brolin. I think this film's one of my favourite. I, I love this. I think the film overall isn't as strong, but the performances, and it gave Denzel Washington to do something he hadn't done for yeah. him, play the villain. Yeah, I remember watching this movie. Uh, again, I was I was on a long, long trip to uh, Blackpool in the back of a car watching this film. And uh, I remember- No cinemas like this. It started with, yeah, but I had like two and a half hours to kill. <laughs> it, start, it starts with a guy on a rooftop tied to a chair, being set on fire and thrown off the building. And I thought, that's a bit excessive. <laughs> she's she's up there with the crow. It's like, why did why did he drown him man so far It's got a it's got a man Santi in it who uh, you know didn't do much after Judge Dread. That best being actor from the stage did Judge Dread disappear? <sighs> Can't wait more, mate. Everyone's got a death note. But it is uh, it, it was hard hitting. It was it was you know Oscar winning two and a half hour really Scott huge you know really really Scott doesn't do things by half you know what I mean it's not like oh just do just do a quick nine minute feature it's always like a big epic true you know trying to be uh, historically correct or accurate it's a two popcorn trip mate it's once you've done one popcorn go back for the second do you like Denzel as the villain because I certainly think Russell Crowe works better as the as the the, um, I don't mean that they got the roles cast wrong no I know what you mean previously with Russell Crowe being the villain that Denzel was chasing in Virtuosity um, I do like Russell Crowe more as a good guy than a bad guy. I don't know. I don't know. Actually, unhinged, he was pretty good in that. That's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say he, I, th- I prefer my Russell the bad guy because in Virtuosity, he's Virtuoso. He's having so much fun. He's kind of like I believe he's let off the script. But unhinged as well. He was fucking scary as anything. I liked that he did something a bit different because you don't like the character of Frank Lucas. He's not a good guy. Um, as he goes out in the end as well, he's, he's, he, you know his reign's been bloody. It's been he's a clever man. He's changed the drug game. He just so happened to change it at the same time that Russell Crowe's character is changing the police game. Like the great scene being, they seize a lot of drug money, start counting it. Mm. And fucking, the Captain Stormire from Monk <laughs> shows up and he has a go at them and says, why are you counting this money in front of everyone? It's a really cool story. Mm. He's also uh, Buffalo Bill. Tucks his uh, knob between his legs. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're gonna fucking say that it's gonna it's gonna irritate me because I know what it ah oh, doesn't matter. I will get it in a minute. <laughs> anyway, I love American Gangster. American Gangster is great. Think it's possible. Ted Levine. Ted Levine. <laughs> better known as <laughs> the guy talks his piece with his legs. I still to my to my dying day that is still also one of my favorite things is that Ted Levine on the set of Silence of Lambs improv that. 
the biggest gamble in cinema history because if the director went, Dad, what the fuck are you doing? His career's over. His career's over. <laughs> <laughs> He's forever known just, as the guy. Just like, you're like, Anthony Hopkins, what's the worst thing ever Well, you haven't seen it yet because yeah. we don't do delete scenes to bloopers. From the set of uh, Silence yeah. of Lambs, a young actor, can't it's, remember his name, got his cock between his legs and just going, mm-hmm. And the reason I'm in the movie for 11 minutes because I refused after that. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't want to see what Jodie Foster whipped out. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a Pelham 123, I remember going to the cinema to watch this one. I remember you. Um, oh, yeah, because I remember. Is this one where you were really ill? No, the, the, oh. wasn't this the one? Wasn't this the one when we were walking in the cinema? And then I tripped you up as we walked in. Probably. I think it was that one. And then I think I think this is the first time you broke code. You had to go for a week halfway through the film. My been. I've only ever done it like twice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, taking a Pelham 123. I couldn't get. Do you know what? It's the battle like, of the goatees. It's the battle of goatees. It's also battle of John Travolta trying to get his career back by saying the word motherfucker as many times as humanly possible. <laughs> and John Travolta, unfortunately, just doesn't. He doesn't land this. I, he doesn't. I, I think he doesn't. He's he doesn't come across as the 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 right villain against Denzel in mm. this. The, and also that taking a Pelham one two three, the original was one of the most shocking films to be released. Yeah. It's one of the first instances where. Um, civilians were murdered by terrorists in hostage situations. Like audiences were shocked; they hadn't seen that before. You know, even secondary characters that were, you, you know, um, like hostages, always got, got out. out. Yeah. Um, to take the Pelham Water Free in the cinema history is one of those films that it did land. But when you see John Travolta with that weird mustache slash goatee, and, weird tattoos, yeah, and the beanie hat, act, trying to act menacing, but he's got that. John Travolta's got a voice that doesn't have a lot of bass in it. It's quite high register of his voice it, it doesn't come across as intimidating or like the you know the the brains that he's supposed to be i think that this is the sort of film that has to settle on the conversations between denzel washington who's basically the train operator at, at head office who just happens to be the wrong guy at the wrong time at the wrong place this hostage situation happens and john Ford picks him it's like i will go through you so there's nothing special about him but what really <sighs> Do you know what the thing I remember most about this film is? Is the choice like James Gandolfini plays the mayor. Yeah. And he is outside. He's not going to get reelected. He's on his way out. And then it turns out that Denzel Washington took a bribe, which is why he's lost position. And then John, and then I just remember like John, uh, John, uh, James Belushi, uh, James, fuck, James Gandolfini is like, you went to go bat for the city of New York next week. I'm going to go to bat for you. And I just remember thinking, this is weird. <laughs> just everything about this film is like, they, they made these choices, which made no sense. And I just remember at the end, John uh, Denzel Washington catches up with them because he knows he knows the system better than everyone else does, and just happens like, "I'll go here." Oh, look, I found you. It's weird. Yeah, I like that when the train operator take, he's like, "I, I, I'll, I'll do it." The police can't do it. I'll have to fucking get out there and sort it out. Catches him on the bridge, doesn't he? Yeah. But it's um, yeah, it's, it's the weird one because it, with it being a film that's based around like negotiation and and you know ransom and stuff like, you need long drawn out conversation between your villain and your hero and, and they don't need, work and, yeah and, and you need that mechanism that connects them because Toronto is like the character rider is like tell me something about you and kind of confesses to the bribe thing and therefore then your hero is questionable his motive is questionable he's also human and, and so i don't i didn't not like the movie i just i just thought Travolta was maybe the wrong, the wrong cast yeah i see that you know and john travolta has been cast in movies where he's absolutely excelled you, you know you said broken arrow broken arrow <laughs> Face off against Nicholas Cage, yeah. yeah. Pulp fiction, 
Pulp Fiction being that I was going to mention with Crimson Tide, Tarantino was brought on to rejudge the script, which is a big thing in the 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty. A lot of like uh, when you saw the earlier, when production companies saw the earlier drafts of the movie and, and distributors, you know, whether it be Miramax or um, Dimensions or whoever it is, Paramount, they'd bring in a, a hot writer at the time mm. to come and do mm. a redraft. And apparently in Crimson Tide, um, Tarantino came in with all this profanity and racial slurs and all that kind of stuff. And Denzel pulled him up on set in oh, front gosh. of everyone and was like, no. Yeah. What, what, why are you bringing injecting this in? And, and, and uh, Tarantino apparently was like, well, can we talk about this? And Denzel was like, no, you talk about it in front of everyone, you know, cause you and didn't, wasn't aggressive. Yeah. But Denzel's like that force we reckon with. He's like, no, he is. you know, and um, when Will Smith punched Chris Rock, a lot of people cared what Denzel Washington had to say about it. Cause he was in the area. Yeah. He's gravitas. I know they're not related in the slightest, but he has a presence, which is, I guess, why I think I'm making the point. <laughs> Denzel said something really weird about Will Smith at the time, which didn't he say? He said after the slap incident, he said he tried. He weirdly he, he condoned Will, <laughs> not not the victim, and he said, "Isn't it, even in your highest moment, uh, the devil shows his face?" Mm. It was like he's kind of big. Um, <laughs> it's just like what the fuck. Talking about yeah. Denzel. Yeah. <laughs> just want you to know yeah. if he Chris went Rock's too like, far. I've been slapped. Front of twenty million people. And Denzel's just invading fucking open. It's just opening like fortune cookies. <laughs> just, <laughs> Denzel, I'll get you in a minute, Chris. Because <laughs> I, I imagine, because I imagine Denzel probably knew who was winning the Oscar that <laughs> because it's all corrupt. Yes, agreed. Um, then we go into what. What I think in in uh, in Denzel's career is a really exciting time of of some really good movies that came out, um, you know, post two thousand ten. But starting Book of Eli, it's a good film. It's 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 not great, but do you know what? it's good enough. It's you've good, got it's good you, enough. You've got great. It's, the idea as well when you the big reveal at the end, you're like, it's it's good and it gives him an element of acting that he hasn't done before. Yeah, I saw it coming. Yeah, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Gary Oldman as well having yeah, fun that was a pun but I know it was <laughs> post-apocalyptic tale with uh, Gary Oldman uh, good uh, Gary Oldman good Gary he was good Gary Oldman why yeah. do I think that Ray Winston was in this uh, I don't know I, I know that Marla Kunis was in it oh, maybe and obviously Tom Waits Michael Gambon maybe it's Michael Gambon I'm thinking <laughs> anyway really good as well like the idea of the Bible being the book in the post-apocalyptic world that people want yeah that was different that was cool and then there's a big reveal about what his character has been going through and you're like oh that's wicked Aaron apparently saw it coming I didn't see it coming I was as blind as the character <laughs> there is that scene though in there where he's like no my fight <laughs> you know where there's a, there's a, on the road yeah there's a mishaps happening and he's like don't get involved it's not your not your thing he's, he's you know post, as post-apocalyptic as they come give me water world any day <laughs> but, um, but you know it's been recorded right? I know. unstoppable <laughs> It's fine. Trains. One of them. He's young. He's 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 strong headed. He's heavy. You don't you don't think, mate. He just acts, and then you know the other one's the opposite. He's been doing this for a long time. Oh, they don't get on. <laughs> but don't worry, they'll stop this train. <laughs> it's fucking shit. It is. Do you think it's the, do you think it's the Tony Scott magic ran out of this point? It did. Like... But also, I don't understand what were they signing. Like, look at this filmography. There's some great, you get to play some historical characters. You get to take some action. It's like, oh, we're going to rejuvenate your career. You're going to play a hitman, that, you, a bodyguard that, that takes revenge on an entire cartel. Oh, you you go against Gene Hackman. Oh, in this film, you've got to stop a train. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, am I up against? He hasn't really got a career yet, but Chris Pine, <laughs> he kind of will in a few years, maybe. <laughs> and then you're just like, fucking yes, trains. And the way it's shot as well, is like the end of time. <laughs> 
if this train doesn't stop. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, unfortunately, it's that uh, it's that two thousands, you know, visual effects that don't yeah. really hold up, even though they're relatively <laughs> they're modern. St- they're still better than like Toy Story, I, I, which I will never forgive. Um, interesting fact: I was in Cape Town in South Africa when Safe Town was be- uh, when Safe House was being filmed. Yeah. You in big, it? Big, big, no, the big areas of the the town were shut down so they could film. I don't think the film is actually set in. I think they just filmed it there. No, I don't think it's set there. Either. And that's good. Which this is the opposite. You get good, you get Ryan Reynolds in this. A, a weird good time for Ryan Reynolds to go up against Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington established Ryan Reynolds. He had broken now, but he was starting to break even more into the A-lister. He needed to work alongside a big name. Got good chemistry. Um, and also, I love the fact that by this stage. Denzel Washington can play a hitman with so much experience that his presence now is enough to experience that you don't need to see like a backstory you don't need to see a young Denzel Washington kill lots of people you could Denzel Washington sits in a room and someone goes yeah he's scary as shit and yeah. then you go I believe you I do believe <laughs> it's, it's very much like a, you remember like 310 to you met yes when Russell Crowe you, you don't really need to see his crimes to know he's yeah. a villain everyone's just like yeah, he's a bad guy You're like, yeah no but yeah. then there's also that respect with a hero mm. it's like you've got a job to do and in this, I remember that scene when the safe house is compromised and Denzel's like, there's a playbook you have to follow now. Come on, you can do it. And he's almost like coaching him to do the job that would ultimately keep Denzel in chains, you know, and it's a, it's a weird movie. It's action-packed. It's, you know, it's explosions. Good cast. You're Vera Farmer. Brendan Gleeson's in the film. Oh, yeah. um, Liam Cunningham as well. Oh, I love Liam Cunningham. Yeah, and Joel Kinnaman uh, as well. So I, I I quite like safe house. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not rushing back to go watch it, but I did enjoy it. Rob Patrick's in it. Yeah. Rob Patrick. Yeah. He'll do anything now. <laughs> he has, mate. <laughs> He's tried. Flight. I think this film had no right to be as good as it was. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> this is one of the films that in, in interviews, he's like, I knew this film was important and I needed to do it. And I'm like, really? The, the Flight movie? <laughs> and it is actually pretty good. It's yeah. very good. And also what I love about the fact is that he gets such imposter syndrome. It's so good. It's well placed. Like, like, I never thought I'd like to see my... My Denzel Washington drugged and drunk and, and, and having carnal sex with the ladies. But it turns out that he's just a fuck up like the rest of us. Nearly kills everyone, becomes a national hero. It, I love that film. I think Flight, genuinely, when I watch Flight, I just, you know when you put a film on in the background? I think that was Flight for me. I can't remember what it was. probably playing a video game or, or reading the book. And then I remember whatever I was doing falling out of my hands because I was so captivated by the film Flight. Yeah, I liked it. Rob is a Mechis movie. And, and do you know what? I don't give this Mechis a lot of love. And even Flight, even I thought he did a good job in Flight. Uh, two Guns, a movie that I didn't go watch when it came out because of mainly Mark Wahlberg. I was going to say, Two Guns, but unfortunately one of them was Wahlberg, so <laughs> I'm out. The premise is funny, but I've seen the film. One of them works for the DIA. This is how I imagine it is. One of them works for the DAA, the DEA. The other one's an FBI agent. Will they get along? No. <laughs> watch this film. No. It's not a good film. I, I was surprised at how... Uh, dark it is. Yeah, I remember you saying this before. Actually. Yeah, because yeah. there's a scene where they go to, basically to the mob guy's house at the end of the first act of the movie to kind of settle the premise of the dilemma they're going to get into. And there's a scene where you know Denzel's carrying a head in a in a in a bat in a Mr. FBI. Mr. FBI, love you to do. Yeah. yeah, and Mark Wahlberg's out front with the rest of them shooting chickens, and it's a really weird like. You know, in episodes of like Breaking Bad, where you go meet the, the main villains, yes, or you know any of those kind of TV shows, you know, like um, Ozark, 
when you go see the mob boss. Yes. And he's friendly, but at any moment, someone could just shoot someone. Yeah, he's really that friendly unhinged. to you. And, and, then, and then the guy's like, I don't know why I'm so afraid of this. And he's like, oh, this is Barry. My, he's been my friend for 10 years. He picked up my penny the other day, slits his wrists and yeah. his throat. And it's just like, watch him die. Throws him in a hole of alligators <laughs> with a grenade. And he's like, oh, yeah. And then the guy's like, oh, I found my penny. Oh, he didn't steal it. Yeah. Oh, shit. And then he kills his wife. <laughs> just like for the inconvenience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah or, or, always while smiling. Yeah, I didn't like two guns. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really like two guns. And the problem is I've got really good friends that came back going, oh, it's amazing. And the, the moment they said that, I thought, no. it really, I bet it isn't. <laughs> Tell you what they weren't wrong about, though. The Equalizer. Yeah. And um, don't remember TV show. So as a remake goes, it doesn't really affect me. I, I don't I watched the Equalizer recently because we were going to do an Equalizer, an Equalizer two episode, mm. and we didn't get around to doing it. So, in preparation for that, I watched it, and because it, also it's worth saying he's only ever done one sequel that is Equalizer, yeah, Equalizer two. two. And so it's weird that out of all the films he's done, with some being biographical, some being, um, you know, one and done, you know, because they bookend, there's no need for a sequel. Like Book of Eli, you could probably say maybe there's a story there. <laughs> done, for, done for Blue October. <laughs> yeah, do, do you know what I mean? Like so most yeah. of his movies just naturally don't have a. a I'll be honest, which back. I quite like. I love the fact that there's not. But Equalizer 2, to be honest, again, I thought the Equalizer quite quite succinctly ended that story arc. But I think I think it's it's that it's taken, isn't it? Taken territory. The moment Taken came out and it became a sleeper hit, and then it warranted three movies, and you think, how many times can people be taken? Um how <laughs> can he be taken before you start blaming the father? It's like it's like <laughs> your fault. Put put a tracker on him, mate. But this to me is is his version of that. It's like it's just a nuts and bolts action movie like John Wick that just it hits audiences because everyone likes the revenge movie. Everyone likes the, you know, the idea that if you fuck with the wrong person, you don't know that actually they're a hardened super. I, I reckon it was all, it all existed because someone somewhere just went, do you want to be really good at end to a movie? And he goes, what? And he goes, oh, if, if someone home alone to B and Q at the end and someone went, Okay, put them to Washington in it. And we've got the rights for the Equalizer somewhere. So they move around, they go, oh, this will do. The Equalizer, which set up basically for the end. <laughs> it's the only reason that exists. A deadly home alone in a and q But it is suave. You know, you look at the, the diner scenes, like, so he goes, you know, to the to the all-night diner and he, you know, polishes the cutlery and he makes sure that it's all, you know, very OCD in place and he's reading. Oh, is it Coley? Coley. Chloe, Chloe Grace Marie's Marie's is the is the victim that, uh, that he takes. David Harbour's in it, Bill Pullman's in it, big cast. And he's got that whole, like, you know, he's, he's very clinical, you know, by the time. And you know, there's that scene where he walks in a room and he almost Sherlock Holmes it. He kind of works out in 30 seconds how he's going to kill this whole, like, Russian mob. I do what you talking about makes me realise I really do actually like the Equalizer. Yeah, I, I liked it. He, he definitely brought something to that character. But weirdly, the reasons why you like it, and I like it now, are the reasons why I don't like the second one. There's not enough growth. There's not enough I did, change. I didn't think the second one was yeah. needed. The second one, the second one was like... It, it, like most sequels do, and good sequel, uh, good movies. I, I mentioned this a few weeks back talking about sequels. There's nothing wrong with the with a sequel taking liberties of the hard work of the first movie. That's mm. a testament to the first movie. But the second Equalizer movie, when I watched it, it was like, yeah, I get all this like that he's super organized and he's OCD and he's he's calculated and methodical and he's and that makes him a more dangerous person. But it almost became a bit of a like. How cool is beating people up? How cool is killing people? You know, it, it, yeah, it just, uh, it lost it a little bit for me, the second one. But there is a third one on the way. Is it? Yeah, this is what I mean about the Taken thing. It's like when you've got a winning formula and you've got a character that pulls people in and makes money, equalizer free, fuck it. Uh, Magnificent Seven. Uh, I mean, I have seen it. I just don't remember it. I, the thing is, uh, 
No, I don't like it. The only thing I remember is Chris Pratt. And I know that's not Chris Pratt's fault or Denzel Washington's fault, but I remember not liking the scene. Do you know what it was? They killed a lot more people than I thought they were going to kill. Yeah. It's very forgettable. It did feel like a vehicle for Chris Pratt more than Denzel or anyone else that was Denzel was the established name to get all the other people to sign up and to launch someone else's career. Yeah, I mean, Ethan Hawke, wasn't it? Vincent D'Onfario. I don't remember that. I don't remember any of that. That's crazy. Um, yeah, and I think Ridiculous Eight kind of killed it as well, didn't it? The, there you go. The montage uh, it's, it's always, it's always things fault. Adam Sandler. <laughs> it's always Adam. I will bring everything back. If to in that doubt, man. blame Adam Sandler. Um, Fences with Viola Davis, which now Denzel, I believe, directed the film, was involved in the stage performance. Basically, there was a big hype at the at the time that Denzel would this was going to be an Oscar movie. And then it was snubbed. It wasn't really nominated for much, was it? And it certainly didn't take home the Oscar. didn't take anything what they thought it was going to take. Do you know what my problem with it is? Is I haven't seen it. I've always wanted to see it though, because it's that. There's a trailer. The trailer was really good. And there's, I think it turned into a bit of a meme. The speech he gives his son, where he's like, where does it say I have to love you? Yeah. It's like, I give you the rights to live in my house. I feed you. I do the bare minimum. What what right of the land does it say I have to love you? And I was like, I want to see this film. I just haven't. Yeah, this, this 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 is the film as well that Viola Davis did win the, the supporting Oscar for, but I think everyone was looking at Denzel as being to win the third to get the triple to be the first you, you know to get the, the El Papi uh, yeah obviously yeah. obviously uh, Daniel Day Lewis but um yeah it didn't for me I mean it was good it was really good and you could tell it was one of them it sounds like criticism but you could tell it was going for the Oscar and certain scenes were going for the scene that was going to go down in the history and stuff. And, I, I don't disagree. And it, but it, what was really interesting about it is, I st- and I still see the interviews pop up all the time of Denzel being questioned on the, on the press junket about directing the movie and the importance of a black director directing the film and could a white director do it? And Denzel's articulated answer is so perfect every time about saying, well, you know, Scorsese did Goodfellas and, and Spielberg did uh, Schindler's List. Now, you know, he could have done those movies, but it's about culture. It's not about race. It's, you know, and, and he goes on to talk about like what that culture means to him and why that, why he felt then that he could do it. It wasn't that he was black. It's that he understood the culture much like, um, Martin Scorsese as a American Italian knew those knew characters yeah. and Goodfellas and, and Spielberg knew, you know, um, you know, how to tell the story. And, it, and it's just one of them brilliant, shut down responses to an interview that was clearly trying to get a... An, an aggravated Yeah, so, something that could be twisted, turned you know, turned into a news article. You and, Denzel rants against non-white yeah. directors and... Yeah, and, and I thought it was just such a good response to it that made, you know... And fence, I do like Fences. I, I, I thought it was good. I, it, it's it coming from a play as well. Do you know there are certain films that when you watch that you know are a play? And yes. When, when, you're, when, when you finish the film and go... Kind of wish I saw the play of that. Yeah. That's always as well a bit of a, not a criticism, but kind of a... So this isn't going to come up there. Sorry. But you know, this film, this is second on my list of things that I wish I'd seen. Number one is when I heard he was playing Hamlet and I saw all the stills of him playing Hamlet in the theatre. Macbeth. Was it Macbeth? Yeah. Tragedy of Macbeth. The, I want to watch that. The Coen Brothers one. It's, it's, it's not a film though, is it? Yeah, yeah. Is it? Yeah, it's a film, yeah. It's black and white. Well, maybe it's, I should... Um... Maybe... <laughs> Maybe I should shut up then. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not out yet, though, not, is it? It's not out. It's, it's had its cinema release, but I don't think it's on any streaming service at the moment. Right. But it That's came out. the film I want to see. It was in the pandemic, wasn't it? Um, and it was one of those that just kept getting pushed back. And it's a. Uh, I don't think it's both Coens. I think it's one of the Coen brothers. Um, the best one. 
the best. I'm just going to have a quick look. Sorry. It's Joel Cohen. Yeah. Sorry, man. I didn't mean to throw you off there. No, that's right. But that's 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 number one on the list of things I definitely want to say. So bringing it up to wraps then, we have um, Equalizer 2. Yeah, not for me. Didn't mind it. Little Things, which was a... which which. Should have been so much better. I, with the I, cast. The, when you spoke about it, because you reviewed this, you made me not want to watch it. Yeah, it's it's a movie that has three Oscar winners in it, and yeah, and it's, it's a story. Little, that, it's a story that hangs on, you know, films like uh, Seven and asks questions throughout it that you don't feel you're fully satisfied with by the end, and it has a moral question to it that isn't. I don't. It doesn't warrant the kind of the, it do, it doesn't have the big ending like a movie like Seven does, but it tr- you can see it tried. And I don't know, there was just something about it that I walked away going, there was something really empty about that movie. There's something detached. And I don't know whether it was Jared Leto's performance or whether it was just that um, that uh, Denzel and... Uh, oh, what's his name? Sammy, Rami Malek. Rami Malek didn't gel. I don't... I can't... I couldn't put my finger on it, but there was something that felt empty about the film when I walked away from it, thinking mm. that there's something that could have been in there. So top three then. So for me, number three, I'm going to go for it. Crimson Tide. I loved it. I love Crimson Tide. Yes, Crimson Tide is my number three. My number three... Because I'm going for favourites. I think I think one of the things that you're going to notice if you listen about this episode, he doesn't have a bad film. He's phenomenal in everything. Mm. His standard is so above. He When he phones it in, he still gives an amazing performance. Not one of these films is something that, you know, we've gone away and gone, and Washington's a bit shit. Mm. In fact, we've been talking to this and we've been talking about he brings his co-stars up, like Tom Hanks, like a true A-lister. When you're with Denzel Washington, you bring up your game. So I, I think you could pick, and this is what I said at the beginning of the episode, you as an audience member listening to this now screaming, it's like, oh no, it's definitely fallen. Oh, it's Philadelphia. It's you, This is one of these ones that we know we're wrong. Mm. This isn't like Chris Hemsworth. When we go, everyone's, everyone's three was exactly yeah, the same. Like, yep, that's it, yeah. yeah, this one, you're going to have completely different ones. So I've gone personal favourites because I think he's phenomenal in everything. And I'm going to do the same. I'm going Because I, I think ultimately movies like Philadelphia are brilliant and Glory is brilliant, but... My personal three, I've got to go Bone Collector at number three. Oh, that's a good shout. My number two is going to shock a lot of people. No, it's not. Inside Man, I, I genuinely thought he was phenomenal. But then, is it my... Yeah, I watched, I rewatched the film. They're the films I rewatched. Mm. The three films I rewatched of Denzel Washington the most are the three films on the list. So I'm going Training Day for number two. Yeah. And then, of course, Man on Fire. Man on Fire. Man on Fire, without a shadow of a doubt, is, is got me interested. It got me re-interested back in the action genre. Yeah, he says he, Denzel says he wants one. He wants to. He wants to be involved in a comedy that's not just good. He's great. That's, that's cool. what his bucket list is. A a great comedy. Probably have Tony Shalhoub in it. I imagine Monk the movie. <laughs> yeah, let us know uh, if you listen to this podcast. What are your top three Denzel Washington performances, or the movies that mean the most to you, or the movies that you're just fondest of in terms of his uh, filmography? Um, that's our show for this week. I think going forward, not next week or the week after that, but soon we're going to take like the three big streaming sites. We're going to take Netflix, Amazon, and Disney Plus. And we're going to decide which one of them's got to go because spiraling costs. So I figure if we just pop in at the end of the next few episodes, get in touch, messages on Facebook um, or send us a message on Twitter, just letting us know which ones you'd keep or which ones you'd get rid of and give us a quick reason because we're, that's going to be a big campaign in like September, the end of September, mm. start of the month. We'll, we'll be thinking of getting rid of one because, you know, when January comes, none of us will be able to afford fuel. 
No, October, October, I don't know, yeah. January. Um, so we're going we're gonna, to, I don't know, we'll probably get a guest in, we'll have a three-way debate. It's also worth saying as well, um, we did we did the presidential election. We, uh, we did. We, we made, I had we lots picked, of fun with that. We probably haven't picked yet the uh, Prime Minister for England. Yeah, it's depressing that we haven't got one and the, the country's still doing all right. <laughs> just, <laughs> just keep the empty chair, mate. Just saying. And then, uh, of course, we've got the A to Z of animals coming up as well. Yep. So loads to look forward to. Don't forget to subscribe. We get a new episode each and every week. If you like this show, don't forget to leave us a review. Share with your friends. Tell anyone that'll listen. But thanks for joining us on episode 212. Any vault movies? Anything so many in? vault movies. Man on Fire. We did say Man on Fire's already in. Okay. Um, Philadelphia? Did, well, we did say we have to watch it within the last seven days as oh, well. Uh, the only one I've watched in the last seven days was The Equalizer 2. <laughs> Not going in the vault. Like Manifier's already in there. Training day would probably go in there, in my argument. Um, I've watched half an hour of it about two weeks ago. And of course, Philadelphia <laughs> would if we had seen it. But the rules, them's the rules. Because if not, we'll just sit here talking and just just going, that needs to be in, that needs to be in. The point was re watching, revisiting, re exploring. <laughs> yep. But don't see you later. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night. Goodbye.